Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning and good afternoon to our East Coast listeners. Welcome to this wet Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Thomas Terry, and today by my side I have my spectacular producer, Justin Brown, and my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. We've got a great one on tap for you guys today as we'll give you the rundown on Bobcat sports as well as PG potentially being out for the year and the Lakers' woes continuing. Stay tuned for our national segment afterwards where we'll break it all down for you. But before we get started, let's throw it to J.P. with a word from our sponsors. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound furniture road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has spites, wings, burgers, and sandwiches, er, sandwiches and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, JP. Now, today's date is March 22nd, 2023, which means it's still Women's History Month. And out of respect of the observation, I would like to highlight a Bobcat who deserves to be in the spotlight. Tori Talbert is considered the greatest basketball player ever in Texas State history. Tori Talbert played from 2001 to 2005. In her illustrious career, she was awarded the Most Outstanding Player Award four times, the Southland Conference Player of the Year twice, and was thrice named first team All-Southland Conference. Talbert will forever be immortalized within the ranks of Texas State as she holds the school record for career blocks and free throws made. She is also fourth in the all-time point score. Talbert's legacy will live on forever, as she is one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Now, guys, I know this was before our time here at Texas State, obviously 15 years ago. But don't you guys think it's amazing just to see how her record can still stand today in the year 2023 as the game has evolved? Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because, you know, the game is really evolving. It's really speeding up, and there's inflation on all statistical categories. And to see her record still holding up today is is just amazing. And, you know, we have to give recognition to all women athletes this month, and especially our Tech State women's basketball team. You know, Kennedy Taylor, for example, a player we love talking about. I mean, you, you see her and how good she's doing. It's because of Bobcats before her that performed as well. Right. So, and Coach Antoine and then also Coach Suzanne Fox, they've seen many great athletes as well as you know basketball is completely changing it's a it's a changing world and it's good to see these athletes having these records still yeah and a stat like blocks is going to be very hard to catch so uh great that she set the groundwork for this team and what this team can do and especially in the southland conference and you can really just thank them for what where this team is today and uh, where this team is headed absolutely now throwing it to texas state softball guys they haven't played since tying against troy this past sunday two the two however their next matchup will come today against utsa in the battle of i-35 utsa has an abysmal six and 22 record and is currently on a five game losing streak they've scored 13 runs in the last five games while giving up 39 the the last time these two teams played was on february 23rd in a texas state classic if you guys remember the road runners fell to the Bobcats 1-0. But ignoring the road runners' record, what did the Bobcats need to do to avenge a series loss against Troy? Yeah, I mean, obviously a little disappointing after that Texas win and Alabama win and what seemed like, you know, the turnaround for this team, getting, you know, some good quality ranked wins back-to-back like that. Um, but having a skid like this is something they're obviously going to want to turn around real quick. I mean, a Texas Tech team is going to be a tough team to beat, especially... 
um, especially a Big 12 team. But I mean, a, tr- a Troy team this this many or this late in the season, I feel like that should have been something taken care of a little, you know, earlier and easier. But um, obviously, there's still things that got to be learned. I think the pitching rotation is something that this Bobcat team is trying to like figure out because um, seems seems to me like hitting isn't really the issue when when this team is hot. You know. This UTSA team they're about to go face, this is an I-35 rivalry, so it's going to be an exciting game no matter how you look at it. And these teams have, you know, an illustrious record between them. But what I'd like to say is that, you know, this UTSA team, they're coming off four-game losing streak. You know, the Bobcats, they just came out of a Bevo Classic where they beat, you know, nationally ranked teams like Alabama and Texas. I mean, this team has skills. They have, you know, 11 returning players from last year. You know, this team had 38 wins last year. You know, it's led by Ricky Woodard, and you have players like Sierra Trahan and Jessica Mullins that are preventing any teams from getting success. So if you see them play against UTSA, you know what you're going to see. You're going to see Jessica Mullins throwing probably 11 strikeouts, and you're going to see Sierra Trahan hit probably four doubles. Sarah Vanderford hit a few of her own, and this team can do that, and they can bounce back from losses. So, you know, I'm excited to see what they can do against their rival, and they will have to play against them later this year, probably in May. Or, uh, you know, they, they like to throw in two games for baseball and for softball against this UTSA team. But, yeah, it's just always exciting. It's going to be a fun game. Absolutely. And talking about, you know, the keys to the game, what it takes to win, you have to hit the ball in order to win the game. And Hannah Earls has been doing that. She's been lighting it up for the plate, hitting 396 on the year to date. I mean, guys, I don't I don't remember the last time I've seen a baseball player or a softball player hit that efficiently from the plate. What about you guys? No, yeah, haven't hit, seen someone hit like that consistently um, in, in quite a while. But uh, it's it's great to see. I mean, a strength of this team is you know getting on plate and uh, you know obviously you just need more need more players to do that and and. Sit. Um, yeah, just really need more players to do that. I mean, Hannah Earls, she's a junior on this team, so she's had experience, you know, hitting. But usually, you look at the, you know the statistical leaders for this team, and you always see names like Sierra Trahan, Caitlin Rogers last year, Sarah Vanderford. Anna Jones, but Hannah Earls, she's stepping up here and leading the team with, you know, with hitting percentage and, and she's doing it in good ways. I mean, you look back at her last game um, against Troy and she had a hit of her own, but, you know, in multiple series, you've seen her get more than two hits in a game and, and she's just really doing great things. She did that against Alabama. She was three for four against Alabama. So, I mean, really impressive there, but yeah, Hannah Earls half, we have to give a shout out to her and her hitting ability. Yeah, and I know you mentioned Sierra Trahan in the midst of that, and we want to also shout her out as well. These batting averages, I know we talk about them a lot while we're on the radio, but they they fluctuate a lot as you play opponents and everything. But to see a player consi- consistently, like we said, with Hannah Earls hit that well, and Sierra Trahan hitting three thirty three, that's still not a feat to be you know glossed over in itself. So being able to do that, I think it has to be a testament to the entire hitting staff or a coaching staff for this team, don't you think, Justin? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is called Slam Marcus, and I think it applies to both, you know, you know, baseball and softball. Both these teams know how to hit, and they do great things when they're on the mound. I mean, when they're in the plate. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a testament to this entire team. Coach Ricky Woodard, they know how to get their players, you know, hot at bat, and they know how to get hot when it matters. You know, we've seen games where they can get hot in the fifth inning, sixth inning, and that's really what's important. So they know how to hit when it matters, and they can really get contact. 
Yeah. And going on the other side of it, the defensive side of it, you know, I said earlier that in order to win a game, you have to hit the ball, which is true. But at the same time, you need to play good defense because defense wins championships, as the saying goes in all sports. And with defense, it starts at the pitching level. And like you said, with Jessica Mullins, you know what you're going to get out of her about 10, 11 strikeouts and everything. So looking at that ERA, 1.64 ERA, that is magnificent with a one whip. That's magnificent in itself as well. And I know in the last time that I hosted, we kind of explained what ERA and whip was. But for her to consistently, I guess, hold her whip to the level that it is right now, can you explain how hard that is, Justin? I mean, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest with you, Thomas. You know, whip is something I'm not even that sure about. So I feel like, you know, more about whip <laughs> than even I do. But what I will tell you, and this is a, the statistic I'm looking at, she's pitched in 98 innings and she's only allowed 34 runs. So in one third of all those innings, did someone actually score? And she's doing that with 85 strikeouts, you know, and that's 60 more than anyone else in this bullpen. So Jessica Mullins is the epitome of playing defense and preventing anyone from scoring a 1.61 ERA. I mean, 1.64 ERA is is not normal. And no one knows what ERA is. Earned run average. I mean, you're you're averaging only one run in all of the time that you're on the mound, which is just amazing. So, you know, Jessica Mullins is the epitome of defense. She's a Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year and for good reason. Yeah, and I know, JP, would you like to chime on in on this too? No, yeah, Jessica Mullins is just continuing to do what, she, what she's uh, meant to do, and it's awesome to see her kind of build herself into that role where, you know, she wants the ball in their hand at the end of the game. She wants to be able to take over and, you know, really put the game out, and I think that's a role that she strives in and that um, this team's going to need going down the, the road. Yeah, thank you for that, JP. And we are going to take a quick break really quickly, but don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with some Texas State baseball. You're listening to KTSW Bobcat Radio on 89.9. All right, and welcome back to Bobcat Radio. This is Thomas Terry, and we thank Orlando Spark for being able to join us as well this morning. We were just talking about, you know, Texas State softball as well as kind of highlighting a historical GOAT, I should say, honestly, in one of our greats, Tory Talbert. But now we're switching over to Texas State baseball, as last night the Bobcats improved to 14-6 and with their third win in a row. This latest win came against Texas A&M Corpus Christi with a final score of 7-5. to the Islanders scored the first two runs in the top of the first inning, and then it was all Texas State. I was at that game, so, I mean, just seeing how it all happened, it was kind of crazy. But let me let me tell you how it unfolded. The Bobcats nodded it back up in the bottom of the first, thanks to Jose Gonzalez and Dylan Pena. A two-run home run by Davis Powell in the bottom of the third, followed by another home run in the very next at-bat by Jose Gonzalez. Just knocked it all basically knocked it loose for the Bobcats there. So, guys, I know we talk about Slam Marcos and the effect that it has, but this was really in effect last night, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and of course, leave it to Jose Gonzalez to really, you know, get this team ignited. And it's something that they needed after that first inning. I was kind of disappointed to see that uh, the Islanders were easily able to put two runs on the board and, you know, hadn't gotten to even show your stuff yet. So, I mean... It, you got you to gotta be able to play defense. Uh, this team is obviously learning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team, whenever it gets hot, it gets hot, and it's able to stick with teams like the Islanders to get the dub, even in a tough night like last night. Yeah, one thing I've kind of been talking about um, throughout the years, uh, just the Bobcats' ability to be able to put points on the board just without the long ball. Because while this is slam markets, it's just home runs. And Kyle talked about it once, is that they're not trying to go for home runs, but... Um, it is. That's kind of just what's happening. We're hitting the Bobcats are hitting a lot of home runs. So, but in this game, they were able to actually get. They were able to drive in runs just from good solid hits. 
Uh, Dalen Pena was able to ground in a run, and um, Davis Powell was able to ground in a run. So as well as as well as um, addition to hitting the long ball like out of the park. So it's it's very nice to see the Bobcats being able to have a balanced game and get a solid win like this. And you speak of balanced, and I don't know a better way of thinking of balance when you have a team that all around the board knows how to hit. You have Jose Gonzalez, who is the hitting leader on this team. I mean, he's showing everyone how to get it done. He's hitting 377 on the year. You know, he has 26 hits. He has over 31 RBIs. But then you see players like Davis Powell. For example, this was his first home run ever, and he scored over nine runs so far this season. And, you know, he's doing that at 16 at-bats. And that's not that bad. And, you know, you also talk about Chase Mora. This guy has 24 RBIs and he's a freshman and he's doing that behind eight home runs of his own. You know who he ties for home runs? The hitting leader, Jose Gonzalez, who's been on this team for over three years. You know, that is balanced right there where you have rookies that are playing as good as your best hitter. And that's what Chase Mora was doing. If you don't know who this Mora guy is, I'm just going <laughs> to let you know something. His first three at bats, what were they? Oh, nothing but homers, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. And that has never been done before. And that was in his, you know, first start in college. So, you know, this is amazing. This is balance right here. Actually, Justin, his his first seven hits were all home runs. Oh, see, I mean, it's, I it, mean, it's my literally point crazy. proven, right? It's literally crazy. It's he's been playing out of his mind, and like you said, the fact that he is a freshman, and we have, uh, or the Bobcats have, veteran leadership on this team as well as the young guys yes. coming in and making an impact. That's just the balance there. That just is just the recipe for a team that can make a very deep run, like coming into the season. I mean, this could be the building of another Paul Goldschmidt. You know, this, this team produces MLB talent. And, you know, you saw two players last year who have already gone in the minor leagues. I mean, Coach Trout knows what he's doing. And having someone like Mora on your team, I mean, they can take on any opponent, especially their next one. Yeah, Justin, 75 total MLB selections throughout Texas State history. So that See, right there. you had that stat ready. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, like you said, this – this, this team is a home run manu manufacturing machine, well-oiled, you know, and we talk about the balance that you have not only from your underclassmen and upperclassmen, but just all around the board from being able to hit home runs, being able to drive in RBIs, and that's exactly what Davis Powell did as well, drilling a two-RBI single in the bottom of the seventh inning to close out his productive day. They will face Houston Christian University, formerly known as Houston Baptist, in case you all haven't known. Tonight at 6 p.m., this game will be broadcasted on KTSW 89.9 with Kyle Lowen on the call tonight. Now, Houston Christian, they are 2-17, and 17, but they won their last matchup against North Dakota State, 6-5. So, JP, I'm going to turn it to you real quick. What can the Bobcats do to make sure they don't overlook this team and actually get through with the dub? Yeah, absolutely. I think earlier in the season, uh, Texas State easily overlooked an NDSU team uh, and let them kind of like stay in that game, that crazy game that went 19-18, and that's a team that only has three wins on the season. So, obviously, this team needs to you know handle business, and I know we talked about balance on the hitting end of things, but I think this team needs to find balance on the pitching end of things because outside of Levi Wells, this team's struggling. Uh, you know, it's it means it means a lot whenever the team's scoring against you and you can keep up with them. But when you can't keep up with keep up with them, you know, what are you left to do? And I think this team is trying to find balance on the pitching end. And if they can take care of these smaller schools like Houston Christian, then that would mean a lot down the road. Uh, you know, being able to stack wins like that. Excellent, excellent analysis there. And like you said, with Levi Wells, he has a one point fourteen ERA and a one point oh one. Yeah. Whip. So, like you said, outside of him, we look at Nathan Madrano. He has, although albeit 21 innings pitched, but a 6.65 ERA is kind of bloated there. And you want to work on bringing that down. So, I mean, Justin, what can we do with the pitching staff in order to get these guys kind of settled or 
anything else to kind of you know these are the games that are really fun to watch if you're a true baseball fan because these games are where they're actually seeing you see the coaches they're literally watching who are these who who on this team can pitch when it matters and they're going through these non-conference games are useful for that in one reason they're they're not they're non-conference they don't really matter that much they don't count that much let's see who can pitch because all we have right now is levi wells okay i'm gonna be honest he's doing amazing and in the contrast between him and the other people in the bullpen right now is getting stark and you know they're gonna have to see who can step up and this is why they do these non-conference games they're gonna see how they do in the rotation see what they can pick up a lot of these young pitchers this is a chance for them this is the chance to get reps and it's gonna matter when it comes clutch time towards the end of the season you know you look how they did in that tournament last year they had tristan stivers be the starting pitcher in that final game against stanford he's a closer that shows that they had no one else in that bullpen. This is the chance to build it. So that's why I love these games against HCU. You know, HCU, they're 2-16. and 16. This is the ideal game to throw some new players on that mound and see what they can do. I'm really excited. We know we have hitting taken care of. We have one of the best hitters in the entire country right now, Jose Gonzalez, on this team. So, you know, pitching is really it's, it's really going to be a point of emphasis in this game, in my opinion. No, definitely. I definitely think they can use a game like this against Houston. Christian to throw some guys out there, see what they can find on the mound. But it's like, and while Houston Christian is, they're not having the greatest um, season this year. They, they like you guys were saying, they, this isn't the team that Texas State should just overlook because, I mean, they definitely have some hitters on this team. They're, I'm looking at their roster right now, and they have three players batting above 300. One, Samuel Benjamin is batting 361 right now, and he's hit five home runs. So. While they, they aren't winning games, they definitely aren't a team you should just sleep on because, like you were saying, JP, that's kind of what they were what Texas State did against that North Dakota, North Dakota State team and gave up 18 runs. So it's like that's we can't the, the Bobcats don't want a repeat of that. They need to go out there and while try to find some some closers and some solid pitchers out there on the mound, make sure they handle business as well and not take this team lightly. Yeah, and like you said, Orlando, the reason you can't overlook these teams is because all of these guys are basically in their own right star-studded athletes in their own way. And I'll say it again, as we said over in basketball season, I know we kind of harp on these guys a little bit, kind of tough on them when we talk about statistics. But at the same time, these guys are extremely talented, and they are able to get the the job done as well. Oh, 100%. You you don't get into college baseball unless you have some skill, okay? (laughs) You don't see me throwing a fastball, okay? It's probably going to move 60, 50 (laughs) miles per hour. I think I might have said it uh, while we were talking about basketball earlier in the season. It's like once you get to the college level, like almost every guy on the team was the best player in there, not even just like their school probably like their area so it's like i mean they're all amazing athletes yeah but as we kind of zoom out a little bit with the remaining time that we have let's kind of gloss over some of the national news that we have it's a lot going on i know earlier it was previously after mentioned that pg aka paul george for the los angeles clippers injured his leg last night against the oklahoma city thunder to this po- to this moment, there has been no update, but he was seen on crutches after the game. Guys, I don't know if you watched that game or saw it posted all over social media. I mean, as we remember, Paul George, he came back from one of the worst injuries personally that I've ever seen in my life in the um, Olympic Games, I think in, what was that, 2016, 2017? Yeah, a while back. Yeah. It was so, 2016. So just to see him still performing at a high level, I mean, he's been top three in the MVP race. I mean, what can we... What can the Clippers do to kind of stay afloat while he's out? Here's, here's what I'm going to say. Any NBA fan sees that injury. Yeah, no. 
I mean, there are certain injuries. If you see it in football, you're like, okay, yeah, no. Uh, this is going to be tough for him to recover. I don't know. I'm just – we're all speculating here. None of us are trained doctors, but – his return, I'm not 100% sure about, but you know this team has someone to rely on, someone that can lead a team to playoff success, and that's Kawhi Leonard. He's still there. You know, he was hooping out yesterday as well. And, you know, Paul George, he's going to have to make this, you know, I, I think, you know, you've said he's recovered from injuries before, and he really has. So, you know, he is a very strong individual, but this team, I mean, they only have 38 wins, and you look at the Western Conference, you know, the fourth seed and the 12th seed are only separated by three wins. So it's like, you know, their spot could be lost, you know, and Lakers good. fans, I don't, I mean, well, I don't even know why I mentioned Lakers okay. right now, but keep okay. going, keep going. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But like, the Clippers, I'm looking at it, and it's just like, because I did watch the game, and it uh, prayers out to PG, because that is, a, that is, it's very tough to watch, especially knowing his history, like you said, Thomas, the the injury he had in the the Olympics that's honestly yeah one of the worst injuries I've ever seen that and like the the Kevin Ware injury that for yeah. that I mean those things were just kind of hard very hard to watch so hope he has a very speedy recovery but in terms of what the Clippers can kind of do to stay afloat um you said they have Kawhi Leonard and that is true but I mean if you watch the watching the game last night Kawhi Leonard had a chance to win the game and didn't even get a shot off so I mean, if it's been a while since Kawhi Leonard has been consistently like one of the top guys in the league, so it's I don't know if that'll be enough to keep them afloat. Yeah, and especially for this Clippers team at this late in the season, I think this is uh, very significant because this is one of those teams in the league that's very like pot committed, like fully invested. I mean, they traded Shea Gildress away a few years ago for Paul George and gave up a bunch of first rounders, and then the Kawhi Leonard. Uh, like bringing him in took a lot so I mean I think this is a team that really was bought into like the present and now and winning now and all that so uh, an injury like this is really going to hurt their chances um I know we just talked about Kawhi Leonard kind of like not living up to expectations but I still think he's capable of being those expectations I mean getting to carry a 2019 team basically by himself it felt like very impressive I mean can he do it again we won't know but especially in a tight playoff race like this you could easily see them slipping to 10 or 11 just in a few weeks or in a few games left in the season um if everyone if everyone else behind them keeps you know playing up to standard but yeah I mean this team is very pot committed right now and it really sucks to see that Paul George is out yeah and like you say JP you know the playoffs are right around the corner and if the season ended today they face Phoenix in the first round with it being a 4-5 matchup and I just want to say thank God that the season doesn't end today because my Lakers are currently in 11th place at 35 and 7. So that would mean that they are currently out of the play in um, play in tournament. So, I mean, we saw it last week. They dropped an easy game against the Houston Rockets. Oh, my goodness. They felt great. <laughs> like 16 wins on the year. You can't lose to teams like that. And the absolute heartbreaker against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I was with my family watching that game, and they got to see a different side of me come out <laughs> after that Maxi Kleber buzzer beater given up by Anthony Davis. But, guys, what do the Lakers need to do? I know we keep asking this question, but it seems like that the answers potentially could change every single time we ask. So with the season winding down in the final, what, two or three weeks, what did the Lakers need to do to go ahead and make that final playoff or play-in push? 
Um, I think that the Lakers honestly did a good job post um, trade deadline, really adding some valuable pieces to this team. I, I really didn't know what they were doing at all for like that first half of the season. Like their their vision for this team was it veterans, was it young guys? What, what were they doing? And that, now with D'Lo and you know some pieces like Malik Beasley and stuff like that, um, you can kind of see where this team's headed. You know they're trying to make a push for the playoffs, and. You know, obviously they got to take care of business to finish the season. They, they, I think this looks like an easy schedule to me, but they got to play a lot of teams that still want to make the playoffs. So I think that, you know, could factor in, um, especially without LeBron, not sure when he's going to come back. So, you know, Anthony Davis is going to have to do this himself. And this might be the trial run for the Lakers. You know, if he can't get the team to the playoffs by himself, is he even worth having on the team anymore? I mean, I was looking at, just looking, I was, like, watching the Rockets game because, I, I mean, these are my Lakers as well, Thomas. So the the game against the Rockets, they definitely slept on the Rockets because with LeBron being out, Anthony, that was a game, Anthony, I don't know whose decision it was, but <laughs> somebody decided Anthony Davis wasn't going to play in that game because I, I guess in their minds they didn't need to really worry about the Rockets. And then so they dropped that game, and then, the, like you said, heartbreaker against the Mavericks. I mean, Maxi Kleber, even once he got the album, wasn't even expecting him to make it once he got the shot off, but he shut me up real quick and broke my heart. And then, I mean, they were able to handle business against the Magic, but it's kind of not that great of a team. But we were kind of, what we've been saying is that Anthony Davis needs to be able to handle, be able to handle the load in LeBron's absence because it, once LeBron initially went down, we thought he'd only be gone for two to three weeks, but now they're looking at, they don't know when he'll be back, so it's and then even in that two to three weeks, Anthony Davis, he didn't. There were definitely games in there where he dominated and got the Lakers wins, but that wasn't as consistent as it needed it to be. And so with LeBron not coming back when like where you thought he was, it's it's looking real rough for these last few games because I mean, like even like you said, JP, it is an easy schedule, but they haven't been shown to be able to consistently handle business against easy teams, so. Until Le without LeBron, I don't know what they're gonna do. Just because Anthony Davis, like I mean, I, I mean, I definitely think it's, it'll be worth having him on the team. But because as long as LeBron's there, I think they they'll be able to get it done. But in terms of having him be the, the focal point, I mean, he just hasn't been able to show that he can do that consistently. And I mean, LeBron's aging, so. Yeah, no, I don't. I'll go ahead. I mean, you know what I'll say is that, you know, LeBron. I don't count them out of, you know, playing in this play-in. I know they're probably, I think, okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think they're going to finish and get into the play-in. And I think it's great that they're playing the Jazz twice within the last, you know, three games of their season. I mean, four games of their season. So, and that's probably going to be who they're playing against, honestly. Um, and that's a really young team. But, yeah, I've never seen this team really get on a stretch where it looked like things were clicking very well. I've never seen them go on, like, a six-game win streak. I don't know if that was happened so far. But I, I just haven't seen them get clicking like that, but I know they're going to have to go to their youth. And we talked about that win against the Magic. That was led by, you know, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves dropping 35 points. Career high. Career high for him. And I, I've never seen him play like that, and that's what they're going to need. You know, give more minutes to these young players. Give some opportunities to them. You know, LeBron is an amazing player. He really is, and he's going to need a lot of, you know, plays around him. And a lot of that is going to be through him. But, you know, he's getting older. And, you know, Anthony Davis needs to be more reliable. Um, you know, as Reggie Miller said, every time he winces, it's three weeks. <laughs> and uh, I agree. Yeah. So I really can't have much to say. Yeah. You know, Justin Rockets and fan Orlando. Here. 
you know you were talking about Anthony Davis and whose decision was it to bench him in the back end to back to backs. But I think now they've announced that that's not happening anymore. You don't want any slip ups like we had against the Rockets there. But, you know, moving over from the NBA landscape, while we have the remaining couple of minutes here, I just want to gloss over real quickly the World Baseball Classic finished up with Japan defeating Team USA 3-2. to two. If you guys were watching, Shohei Otani struck out Mike Trout in the game. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, those two guys are teammates for the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, guys, can we talk about really quickly the dominance displayed by Shohei Otani, that two-way dominance being able to pitch and hit? Yeah, I mean, really just the dominance by that whole Japan team. I mean, they didn't really seem to have any uh, blemishes in that whole tournament. And, I mean, the U.S. did against that Mexico team before I think the you know play-in even really started. Um, but yeah, that was a dominant series by them all through and through, and it was it was great to watch uh, Japan win their third WTBC. Yeah, I wish I could play it on here, guys. I saw the I was on Twitter last night, and I heard the there's a video of the call in like actually in Japan. Yeah, and I it, saw that. It was it was, it was so good. Like they were going crazy over there. So I mean, very very congratulations to them. Very very earned win. You know, I, I look at this and I look at what, you know, Shohei Otani said after the game. And he said it was the greatest situation facing the greatest hitter on the team. You know, and, and I honestly think Shohei could – he's an amazing pitcher. You know, some people would say one of the greatest. I mean, I don't I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, just, just an amazing game. Sucks to see the USA lose. I mean, USA lose, but to Japan, I mean, we all know Japan's amazing at baseball. Yeah, and with yeah. the remaining moments that we have, I wanted to th- I want to throw it to JP with our weather closing. Cool. Yeah, it looks like for the rest of the day, it's just going to be in the 70s, uh, cloudy all day. And then for the rest of the week, looks like we're going to get into the 80s. Um, doesn't show any sun, sun, but I mean, yeah, cloudy and 80s seems like the, the rest of the week here. Yeah, and that concludes this episode of Bobcat Radio today. If you enjoyed this broadcast and never want to skip a beat, make sure you keep up with us by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. I know we don't really throw that in there, but that's Yeah, but we're on there. Yeah, we are on there, so make sure you guys follow us on there as well. And be sure to listen to, watch on ESPN Plus, or follow on our social media, Texas State Softball and Baseball tonight. So from Orlando Smart... J.P. Flanagan, and our magnificent producer and sports director, Justin Brown. I'm Thomas Terry reminding you to drink water, stay hydrated, and have a wonderful Wednesday. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.